everybody. Happy Tuesday to you right here on JDF Sports. My name is Dylan James, and this is Out of Bounds with Dylan James. This evening, we're talking about the NFL, and as Brian alludes to in this comment, at Spain without the S, and that's what the Titans and the Packers fans out there are feeling this week after what happened in Week 18. We'll be talking a lot about Week 18, what the Titans have done so far. It's been a pretty busy offseason for the Titans so far after losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars on Saturday night in primetime in Jacksonville, which some questionable questionable play calling, some poor field position for the Titans, and also a very, very controversial call towards the end of the game, which we will discuss at length on the show this evening. Also, my producer, Tyler, is not here yet. He will be arriving a little bit later this evening, so we will talk about the Packers and what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. Brian, I'd love you for love for you to um, chime in on that and let me know what you think about what Aaron Rodgers is going to do in the offseason. It sounded a lot like he might be considering, you know, somewhere else in the offseason. So we will be discussing that. We'll also be talking about everything else that happened in Week 18 and also previewing Super Wild Card Weekend coming at you this weekend, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Three full days or three days of uh, playoff action, which I'm very, very excited to watch, and I hope you all are as well. If you haven't done so already, feel free to share this with your friends. Share it on Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, um, everywhere you you see us on social media. Also, be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube if you like this content, if you like things that we talk about here on the show, and if you want to listen to the podcast version. If you missed the video version or you didn't watch from the beginning of the video version, if you want to hear the whole thing, be sure to go to iTunes, Spotify, um, all of those podcasting platforms, Out of Bounds, Dylan James is on there, so subscribe there too, and we'd really appreciate your support in all of those media avenues, I guess you could say. So let's start off tonight. With the Tennessee Titans. The Tennessee Titans unfortunately lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars in Jacksonville by a score of 20 to 16, a very close, closely, highly contested matchup in Jacksonville. The Tennessee Titans came out to a 10 0 lead early in the game and then it led to a um, defeat of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Something we had seen all throughout this season is the second half and the play calling of the second half. And Todd Downing, as the offensive coordinator, will talk about his future with the team in just a moment as well. But he did not do a very good job of play calling. One of the biggest mistakes the Titans made in the second half especially, I mean, throughout the entire game, when it comes to play calling, first down. There were 28 first downs in this game, and Todd Downing decided to run the ball 24 of those 28 plays. 24 of those 28 plays, he gave the ball to a running back instead of throwing throwing a wrench in there, making it to where the defense knows, hey, guess what? They might pass the ball. They might do something different than just hand the ball off to the guy standing there behind a third-string quarterback in Josh Dobbs, um, handing the ball off and expecting to get a first down each and every time. But they didn't. They decided to go and run the ball 24 times. And that led to a very, very vanilla, plain, expected offensive scheme the entire evening. However, the Titans were still winning in this game, 16-13, to heading into the final stretch. About three minutes left in the game, Jacksonville Jaguars were on defense. 
Josh Dobbs drops back to pass. And as he's the controversial call, I will say what the call was on the field. The call on the field was a strip sack of Josh Dobbs, which led to Josh Allen on the opposite side, picking the ball up and running it in for the game ceiling touchdown. In this scenario, there's typically a booth review, which there was in this scenario as well, because it was a scoring a scoring play. They have to review it. There's no challenge flag needed in this scenario. From the time Josh Allen crossed the goal line to the time the referee came on the field and confirmed the play, there was a grand total of, wait for it, 55 seconds. In a game-altering play in the AFC South championship game, the last game of the year for these two teams, potentially, um, they took 55 seconds and said, yes, it was a fumble. Now, looking at the review, if, if you go back and look at the review, there are, there are several videos on Twitter uh, breaking down this play. Josh Dobbs, even he came out during the press conference. He came out on Bustin' with the Boys as well. The night after, actually yesterday, I believe, um, on Monday, he went on Bustin' with the Boys and told Will Compton and Taylor Lewan that, yes, I believe that it was a forward pass because the ball did travel about 10 yards forward in this scenario. So if it was a strip sack, you would you would typically see the ball either fall back, fall backwards from the quarterback, and that would be the ball laying on the ground, or you would see the ball maybe go forward a yard or two, not five, ten plus yards down the field. But that's just me. Um, I, I still think that it was a forward pass. Let me know what you think in the comments below. If you did watch the game, or if you do watch the replay while we're while we're talking about this, you can have a two-screen viewing experience if you'd like, watching me and then on your phone or, or your computer, whatever you're not watching me on, um, go over there and look at that replay because I would love to get your thoughts on that play as well. Um, an unbiased version of events in that situation, but I do believe still it was a forward pass. And unfortunately, that was the the nail in the coffin for the Tennessee Titans because of how bland and how predictable the offense was going to be. And they just cannot come from behind. This this version of the Tennessee Titans could not come from behind this season. And uh, unfortunately, Josh Dobbs decided to check it down to Hassan Haskins when they were within, I believe, 30 yards of a touchdown. He decided to check it down when it was a, a fourth and 14 play or something along those lines. And, um, only got about 10 of those yards that he was supposed to get. So, um, that was the end of the Tennessee Titans regular season and the year itself. Um, and there have been some changes since then, but let's get to Karen in the comments. Karen chiming in. Good evening to you as well, Karen. Um, the Patriots, I just, you know, couldn't do it. Couldn't do it this past weekend, unfortunately, but, um, Better luck next year for Mac Jones and the boys. Hopefully, the New England Patriots will be able to find an offensive coordinator besides Matt Patricia to call calls for you all because he's not an offensive coordinator by any stretch of the imagination, but I guess Bill Belichick thought he was this year. So, fortunately, they end their season early as well. But let's go back to the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Karen says they played terrible. Uh, yeah, well, especially in a game that you needed to win to potentially make it into the playoffs. Um, but unfortunately, the Dolphins got that seventh spot instead. Italy Jet chiming in in the comments. Go Preds. Yes, go Preds. Preds are on a four-game win streak currently. 
So go Preds. Hopefully they can continue that uh, this week. They're going up against Toronto Maple Leafs tomorrow night when we are doing puck off here on JDF Sports. And they're going up against the Montreal Canadiens on Thursday night. So a tough back-to-back, especially playing Toronto first. I'm sure we'll see UC Soros um, playing in net for them in the first game. And then in the second game, we'll probably see Kevin Lincoln in. But um, that, that goal to entertain him, especially Soros recently. Soros has been killing it. He had a 60, I think it was a 64 goal, a 64 shot um, night that he, he played in the other night, which was great. So crazy. Um, going to the next game in uh, St. Louis. Awesome. St. Louis versus the, uh, the Preds. Very cool. Very cool. Good to see that. Uh, Karen also saying, I think the coaching was terrible this year. Yeah, I mean, the Patriots, they needed help. And uh, they were not helping Mac Jones at all in that scenario when it came to coaching, um, especially on the offensive side of the ball. The defensive side of the ball actually helped you get to a point to where you could have a scenario to get in the playoffs this past weekend. But unfortunately, your offense was not able to answer the bell. And um, I think Mac Jones's high ankle sprain injury, we saw what it did with Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee. It had the similar effect to Mac Jones this year as well. He just didn't have as good of a year that he did in his in his rookie campaign. However, again, it's a guy in his second year in the NFL. We're not going to expect him to be phenomenal every single season. I think there will be a little slide, which there was this year. But I don't think he's a regression. I think it's just growing pains. I think that we'll see Mac Jones get back to um, get back to successful football next year. I think that we'll also see. I mean, also Bill Belichick came out this weekend. If anyone was wondering if Bill Belichick was going to retire, he came out and put that to bed very quickly. Said, "I'm going to be here in 2023. I'm going to get back to work, and we're going to see what we can do with this team next year." So Bill Belichick staying in New England for another year. So we'll see how. That goes, but again, I think that with Max development, I think it is crucial to have a, a a strong leader like a Bill Belichick still in the building. So that's good for Mac Jones for his future. That's good for the Patriots organization because they have a chance to at least make it into the playoffs next year, especially with especially with them having the success they had last year and and potentially making a playoff spot this year and just falling just short of uh, getting there. So I think that the Patriots will be able to do things next year. Um, just need some consistent play calling, which I think that's kind of similar to what the Titans are going through as well. So we'll talk about that too. Um, Karen said all season, they went out with the attitude as of saying F you, uh, yeah, the, the defense definitely did defense definitely did because defense last year, um, wasn't really the strongest, wasn't as strong as they thought it was going to be. So coming out this year and having a pretty strong into the season, I think that was a good thing for the Patriots defense moving forward. But again, I think that it's just offense is the biggest thing for the Patriots moving forward, trying to strengthen that and uh, go from there. Italy jet. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, we will definitely discuss in, uh, in the DMS in Twitter. So we'll do that. I'll, I'll, I'll reach out to you on Twitter. Um, but yeah, so with the Titans, that was one of the biggest downfalls was field position in the second half. Uh, there were, there were six drives. There were six possessions. The Titans had in the second half and two of those possessions only two of those possessions started at at least the 25-yard line or better for the Tennessee Titans. So that that's something that is was not good towards the end of the season, towards the latter part of the season. I mean, we did have several players back there trying to field punts for the team. Robert Woods was back there for several of the punts in this game, which I still am, am very 
um, hesitant to praise him for his his time as a punt returner because he would just let the ball bounce or catch it within uh, the 10-yard line instead of, of trying to at least make some sort of play to get it a little bit further down the field for the team to have successful drive. And I think that led to, especially in the second half, Todd Downing having to give the ball off on the first down play. But again, that just made it to where it was much more predictable for the Jaguars' defense, and it just was not sustainable for this team. Unfortunately, they they got to a lead. They got 16 points. They said, we're going to hold at 16 points, and we're not going to score anything else because obviously the Tennessee Titans' offense could not score more than 24 points. I think they had 27 points once against the Green Bay Packers on Thursday Night Football, which we, we discussed last week with Tyler. But they were unable to score more than 24 points in any other game this year. So 16 points, you thought... You said, okay, they might be able to score a bit more because I think I was in the third quarter. They were at 16, and unfortunately, they were unable to get one more score on the board. One more touchdown would have sealed the deal for the Titans, but unfortunately, they fell short of that. So what led that next on Black Monday? We'll talk a little bit about Black Monday and the firings that we saw and the the shape, the shish, the um, the shakeups that we saw. There you go. There's my wording. The shakeups we saw in some organizations, but for the Tennessee Titans in particular, because of this game and because of what happened with this offense over the past two seasons, Todd Downing was let go as the offensive coordinator. He was uh, the, the the words they used. He they parted ways with Todd Downing instead of saying firing him, which they should have in this scenario, because it warranted that wording, uh, firing, but it was, it wasn't because the, the Titans, um, saw what fans were saying. I'm sure that probably had a bit of, of, um, of credence that, that gave a little bit of credence to what they were going to do with Todd Downing. They, they kind of felt good that the organization and the fans would appreciate a move like this. However, Todd Downing was just abysmal as the offensive coordinator, especially seeing how this team was one of the top scoring offenses in the league just two seasons ago when Arthur Smith was at the helm of the offense. And then when he went to the Falcons, they hired Todd Downing and uh, the rest is history from there. But I actually had a thread on Twitter talking about Todd Downing, talking about his success or lack thereof and the Raiders offense as the offensive coordinator there, just pretty much pile driving that offense into the ground. And that was kind of my tweet on Monday, hoping that that, that would shed some light on, uh, you know, it's not just injuries we're talking about here in Tennessee when it comes to personnel issues and it comes to play calling. It, it was play calling in this scenario. There are plenty of offensive coordinators in the league that are able to overcome injuries, even though the Tennessee Titans had the most injuries um, the past two seasons. They've had the most injuries and the most players played in a game. Let's put it that way. Um, uh, you know, it's in the league, number one. So that's not a good trend to be setting. I'm sure that they'll be looking at the strength and conditioning staff of this team. I'm sure they'll be they'll be trying to figure out analytics and such. I'm sure that will probably come into play when they hire their new general manager because they did fire John Robinson after the Philadelphia Eagles game this season. And that was the start of their seven game losing streak, which that's not a very good streak to end the, the year on, especially when you had one last game to potentially win the division and have a, a division title for three straight seasons. People were saying that it's a good thing the Tennessee Titans lost because at the end of the day, the Tennessee Titans would fire Todd Downing if they lost. They would get a top 10 pick, 
Well, um, I, I do believe the Titans would have still fired Todd Downing had it not been for the Jacksonville Jaguars game. I think that his play calling throughout the season, the past two seasons, was you, you couldn't defend it. You couldn't defend what he'd done with this offense. So I think at the end of the day, it was it was right for the Titans to fire Todd Downing. And two, getting a top 10 pick, we unfortunately got the 11th pick in the draft instead of a top 10 pick, like some people were saying. So it's kind of that, that gray area. People are still trying to speculate as to what we're going to do with that draft pick. But we will talk more about that in the offseason because there's still football to be played this year. And there are plenty of teams in the dance that we will discuss as well. Karen saying, I'm extremely surprised that he recovered so fast. Um, talking about DeMar. Yes, DeMar came back. He was out of the hospital um, in Cincinnati. He flew back to Buffalo on Sunday, I believe. And there were photos of him at the hospital, sitting up in bed, watching the Buffalo Bills game. That game was incredible, especially the start of that game, especially the performance of Naheem Hines at the beginning of the game. And then also later in the game, he had two kickoff returns for touchdowns in that game, which an incredible performance by Naheem Hines. I think that he deserves a lot of credit for their, their, their game that to honor um, Hamlin in that scenario. But DeMar, yes, he came back um, very quickly. And they, they say he's ahead of schedule when it comes to his recovery. So wishing him the best, nothing but the best moving forward. And I'm sure we'll probably hear more from him um, down the road, especially um, kind of like what we saw with Ryan Shazier, Ryan Shazier staying with the Steelers and kind of being a, an advocate for the team and kind of being an honorary member of that team, even though he wasn't able to continue to perform as a football player for the team, he was able to still be out there and be representative, which is great. Um, John chiming in, Thoughts on Schwartz interviewing for the Browns DC job? I think it's interesting. I think that I I heard rumblings during the season that Shane Bowen, the defensive coordinator for the Titans, was being looked at potentially as a head coaching candidate. And I was hoping that we would probably hear conversations around that a lot more loudly now that they are knocked out of the playoffs. However, I have not heard much news on the Shane Bowen front from other teams around the league. So I have a feeling that he might not be in the top few picks for head coaching positions in the league right now. Um, I wish he was because I think that Schwartz coming in and us upgrading him to the DC position for the Titans, I think that would be beneficial for the team. Schwartz did actually interview for a DC job last year as well. I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank as to who it was. He did interview for a job as a DC on another team as well and turned it down to stay with the Titans. So uh, I have a feeling that there was probably a conversation between Vrabel and Schwartz at some point saying that Schwartz could be the DC at some point if Shane Bowen happens to move on from the team at some point for a head coaching position, which I have a feeling that it could happen sooner rather than later. But I think that at this point, um, I'm not really hearing much about Shane Bowen. But again, we might hear more over the next few weeks, especially as teams are eliminated from the playoffs and and um, teams are actually evaluating their staffs and evaluating also head coaching positions to see who the head coaches are, to see if someone is interested in getting Shane Bowen as their defensive coordinator. If that's the case, um, I think Schwartz will probably hold out to see if he'd be able to get the position with the Titans first uh, before he went somewhere else. Because I think he likes Tennessee. I mean, obviously he came back to Tennessee to be on the coaching staff. So I think that's a good thing for them. John also saying Taylor one will not be on the Titans can be cut with no dead money and missed more games than played. 
So are you going to draft and, re- and replace him with the first pick? Yes, th- there are people saying that um, Paris Johnson Jr., I believe his name is, um, he is a name that, that keeps getting brought up to me as a guy that could, he's from Ohio State, offensive tackle, that could be a guy to come in and uh, get selected with the 11th overall pick by the Titans. But I, I still see, uh, when it comes to players getting cut, um, and I, we can kind of do it, deeper dive into this in the off season. But when it comes to the Titans, I can tell you the three main guys that I don't see being on the team next year, Zach Cunningham, which apparently I think he's the one they were referring to. Um, Easton freeze, the, the, the gentleman from Broadway sports media, friend of the show. He actually came on a few weeks ago to talk about the Titans firing John Robinson. Um, he had actually discussed that in this scenario that Zach Cunningham was a guy that Vrabel was referring to when he was talking about the eight to four players saying that he's only on the clock from eight to four. And then when he leaves the facility, who knows what he's doing? We don't know if he's, 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 you know, getting himself better. If, if he's working out, if he's, if he's looking at film, whatever. Um, so the, the Zach Cunningham is one of those guys, um, from what Easton was saying, he believes that is to be true. Uh, he confirmed that with his sources that Zach Cunningham was one of those guys. So I don't see him coming back. And that's, that kind of goes back to why he was cut from the Texans last year as well. It was a, a personality, um, trait that they didn't like in the locker room. And I think it just kind of bled over to the Tennessee Titans organization. Unfortunately, I think that Vrabel wanted him to be on the team and he wanted to, he wanted him to stay on the team and be a, uh, one of the centerpieces for the linebacking position on the team. But unfortunately, Cunningham, I, I think he's just getting to that point where he doesn't care as much as he used to. So that's one player. Um, Bud Dupree could not stay on the field. I, I could see Bud Dupree leaving in the offseason or getting let go in the offseason pretty quickly. Um, and Robert Woods, another guy we were just talking about, punt returner. Even though he was like third or fourth on the list of punt returners we had this year, we had C.J. Board who went down with on, on IR, unfortunately, because he was doing quite well in the punt return and kick return game. Um, Dontrell Hilliard, I believe, was, was back there for some punts as well. He went down on IR. Um, you had Kyle Phillips who got injured early in the season, put on IR, but we have not heard about him since. So I have a feeling Kyle Phillips, um, was not ready to go at all this season after he got injured. So hopefully next year he'll be a factor in this offense for the Titans and be back by off by the, um, the OTAs and training camp, which that would be a good thing for the team. Um, I think those three players, Robert Woods, um, Bud Dupree and also Zach Cunningham will not be with the team next year. I have a feeling with Taylor Lewan, with the new GM coming in, I, if if I were the Titans, I would probably look to see if we could restructure Taylor Lewan at some point um, for for less, maybe half of what he's getting paid this season, spread it out a little bit more, just so that we can have a guy that. It can be reliable when he's on the field, and I think Taylor Wan can be on the field longer than he was last year. I think this year, um, when it came to the ACL, it was the same ACL he had injury, he had a surgery on, and apparently there might have been some complications with his surgery. He hinted at that on Bustin' with the Boys. He hinted at that on Twitter when he first went down with an ACL injury this year. He had talked about that, so I have a feeling that now that he's gotten the the corrective surgery, if he feels like he can come back. And he talked about it on Busting with the Boys. If you want to look at that episode, you can. Um, great episode with Josh Dobbs talking also about the Jacksonville Jaguars game and what his future looks like with the Titans as well. Um, but he did talk about how 
if he feels like he can be an above average player at the left tackle position and live up to to the expectation he has in his mind to play football, he'd want to come back and play football. Not necessarily with the Titans. He feels as though the Titans could very well cut him in the offseason, but like you allude to, they can cut him for no dead money. So that that's something that they're looking at, especially with cap situation, because they're very close to the cap. They'll have to cut several players. But with those three players I mentioned, I think they'll cut a lot off the cap. Um, but Taylor, if he can come back at a hometown discount and get, get a restructured contract, restructured deal, I think that he could. He's talked about how he has plenty of money. He, he's been doing busting with the boys. And if he wants to play football, I think the Titans, it would be, uh, it would behoove them to have Lawan there as a veteran presence on that offensive line and address other places. Because there are a lot of holes they'll have to replace, especially if Ben Jones doesn't come back, if he decides to retire, which after having at least two concussions this year, I think three um, concussions this year as the center for the Titans O-line, I don't know if Ben Jones will come back. Also, Nate Davis needs a contract too at right guard. So he needs a contract. Ben Jones needs a contract. Aaron Brewer at left guard. I think we can probably find somebody better than Aaron Brewer at left guard. Nicholas Petit-Freer is the only solid piece I think that will remain at right tackle um, he's probably the only one right now that I ha- I can say 100% he will be back at right tackle or left tackle most likely right tackle so um, a lot of question marks on the offensive line but I think that having Taylor Lewan that would probably be the best uh, John Suggs also saying it was for the Giants last year for sure there you go Giants DC job was the one he interviewed for last year with Brian Dable, Brian Dable's um, coaching staff. Karen also says, what's your thoughts on uh, about the Super Bowl this year? Super Bowl this year is going to be pretty interesting. Um, I, I think that the Chiefs have shown us that they can, they can still play very well. Patrick Mahomes is still a stud. He's still a, a star quarterback in this league and, and one of, if not the best quarterback in the AFC right now. Um, I think it's probably going to be the Chiefs on the NFC side. I don't want to be boring. I mean, the Niners have been playing very well. Uh, when will Brock Purdy's magical run run out? I don't know. That That's an unknown to me. I have a feeling that it will at some point. But again, that offense is just very plug and play. Put in a quarterback and just let the system go. And we he's shown that he's... He is one of, I think he was one of 10 or less, I'm sorry, one of like three or four um, rookie quarterbacks to start and win his first five starts. So that's pretty, pretty eye-opening for Mr. Irrelevant to come in and play with the San Francisco 49ers and help them get the number one seed in the NFC and get to the playoffs. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Jimmy G and Trey Lance, I wouldn't even say Trey Lance. Trey Lance didn't really help with laying the groundwork there. But Jimmy G laid some very nice groundwork there for Brock Purdy to be successful. And Brock Purdy has shown that the Niners are a team to deal with, especially defensively. I, I really like that team, like the pedigree. I like like the experience they've had going to the NFC Championship game, going to the Super Bowl as well. I mean, I know that was um, a few years ago, 2019, 2020 season. Uh, 2019 season and 2020, they went to the Super Bowl right before COVID. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's 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 a great team in the NFC. So, I mean, other than that, though, NFC side, I don't really see another team that, I mean, that people keep saying the Cowboys. 
I have a feeling they're going to choke. I have a feeling Mike McCarthy is going to rear his head because we saw what happened. They lost the Jacksonville Jaguars. They they barely eked out a win against Tennessee Titans in Tennessee. And they lost their last game against the Washington Commanders. I mean, are the Cowboys going to Cowboy in the playoffs? I think so. It's Mike McCarthy still. So I don't think the Cowboys are going to do much in the playoffs, unfortunately. Tim the Tatman, I'm sure he's watching tonight. Um, sorry, Tim, yeah, that's not going to happen for your Dallas Cowboys this year. I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl this year, unfortunately. Skip Bayless, um, yeah, those, those, those guys will be very sad once again this year. These Cowboys aren't going to make it. Um, Buccaneers, I don't think Tom and that team, we can all think this can be miraculously... Uh, he's going to make it to the, the Super Bowl. I don't think that's going to happen, especially if they meet up against San Francisco 49ers. Don't think it's going to happen with that defense. They're going to be all over Tom Brady in that game if that happens. Um, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. So I, I think right now, Chiefs and Niners, um, maybe the Bengals, maybe the Bengals make a ma- magical run again and knock off the Chiefs in the... Um, in the process, but I, I still think the Chiefs are, are the team to beat in the AFC for sure. Wesley chiming in saying, "Go Colts." Wesley, what do you think about the co- the co- the coaching position? Do you think that Jeff Saturday will get a second chance at head coach? Do you think that they will go after somebody else out there? What are your thoughts on that? Do you think they might even go after Sean Payton? Sean Payton's up, open for business. Sounds like the Saints are looking for some draft compensation uh, to send their way to offer teams the chance to have Sean Payton as their head coach. But um, Broncos came out and talked about it. If you haven't seen the clip too, the clip was very interesting. Sean Payton talking on TV. I think that's probably the first time I've seen it to where a a head coach who is under contract with a team that potentially could get traded to another team, which we haven't seen that scenario happen since, I mean, Bruce Arians, I think it was, was the last time that happened with the Cardinals and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers maybe. Um, but yeah, that, that situation has not happened in quite some time. So be very fascinating to see if they, they are able to get a, get Sean Payton in, in Denver with Russell Wilson. I'm sure that he would probably, um, do well there, but again, I, I'm not, I'm not sure where Sean Payton's going to land because there's going to be several teams asking for his services in the off season and, um, the Colts could be one of them. So let me know what you think in the comments below. Well, so Wesley, I'd love to get your thoughts. John chiming in about Tannehill. Tannehill is under contract through 2024. Do you think, maybe think about drafting Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker? He's still out a few months for injury and learn behind Tannehill. It really depends on what the general manager says. It really depends on what the general, who the general manager is, first of all, because they haven't made the decision yet. There, there is a list of names out there that Amy Adams Strunk came out with the other day, which I'll try to pull up for you all so we can discuss those names. A few names that are very interesting in the San Francisco 49ers organization currently their assistant general manager and they're also the director of player personnel for that team which if we can find somebody from the 49ers organization to come over and help the Tennessee Titans build a roster by all means by all means do it because have you seen what they've done over there in San Francisco depending on what they depending on the, what those guys have done in their position depending on wh- how much control they had of the roster construction of the day-to-day things of that nature um, those will be very interesting names to look at. I know they have some internals, but it's a very wide net of people that they are looking at, which again, I will look at that in just a moment and see if I can get that list for you. Um, but 
Could I see them going after a quarterback? Absolutely. New general manager, number 11 overall. This will probably be one of the only times you'll see the Titans draft that high, especially if Amy Adams Strunk, you know, decided to fire John, John Robinson in, you know, midseason this year. That's just showing you that, that Amy Adams Strunk has a very high expectation for this team this season and, and moving forward. So if that's the case, I don't see this being like a tanking season. I don't see this being like a, a season where we have, you know, Malik Willis or Josh Dobbs leading this team, being the starting quarterback there. I do think Tannehill will stay the quarterback. And like you said, he's is under contract through 2024. I, I, I can see Tannehill taking a pay cut, making it to where they restructure his deal as well. I know that we talked about restructuring Luan's deal. Restructuring Tannehill would be a good thing for this team. I think that that's something that they should look at and discuss with, with Ryan to see if he'd be open to that. Because at the end of the day, um, they need money. They need money bad. And moving players off the books, having some dead cap. You know, people have been talking about, hey, if, if you cut Tannehill, you'll have you'll save $27 million on the cap. But you still have money, dead money, on the cap as well if you do cut him. So at the end of the day, you kind of need to keep him so you don't have wasted money on the books. Like you have wasted money with Julio Jones, and you'll probably have wasted money on other players as well that you cut in the offseason. Zach Cunningham, um, you know, uh, Bud Dupree, you'll have some dead cap there too. So you don't want to, you don't want to add to that dead cap number in the off season this year. You want to try to maximize as much as you can. And only way I can see it is if Tannehill gets traded somewhere, but I don't think that's going to happen either. I think Tannehill is going to stay in Tennessee. It's the smartest decision. I think that's a smart decision. He has, especially if Derrick Henry's still there, which people have been speculating Derrick Henry's getting moved. He's not. I don't think he is anyway, unless the, again, General manager might come in and, and completely prove me wrong, but I don't think that's the case. I think Amy Adams wants him to stay with the team. I think that he wants she wants Tannehill to stay with the team. She thinks the core players here can do something. They, they don't want to completely rebuild because they have a new stadium getting built, potentially, so haven't completely finalized it yet, being built by 2026, so they want to have pieces in place to be successful. They can build around what they have now, and then if they want to draft a star quarterback next year or two years from now, then they can and um, have the pieces around them to be successful at that point. So that, that that's my thought there. Um, when it comes to the people who are being considered, let me see if I can find the list here, um, considered for the position of general manager for the Titans. It was the... Uh, I still can't find the list here. Um, I'll find it in just a moment. And John, if you're out there, if you want to look it up, feel free to. My producer, Tyler, again, is not here this evening, or he isn't here yet. He might be here a little bit later, but he did tell me that he was going to be here a little bit later, potentially. So, um, John, if you can find that information, that'd be great. Wesley chiming in. They need to get uh, safe, uh, Peyton, yes, safety. Oh, Sean Peyton, I'm sorry, Sean Peyton. I don't think Saturday gets a second chance if they don't get Peyton. Um, or you think Saturday does get a chance if they don't get Peyton? Is that right? Um, Wesley also says, maybe they give Eric Bieniemy of the Chiefs his shot or take a look at Glenn. I'm not sure who that is. Um, at least interview them to get people off your back before you sign John Fox as the head coach. Yeah, John Fox is not coming as the head coach. I don't think I don't think the uh, Indianapolis faithful there, especially you, I don't think that you guys would want to have John Fox as a head coach in, in the Colts land. So that would not be a good decision on your part. Um... But yeah, having the, I think you guys have the fourth 
draft pick this year too in the draft. So that'd be very interesting to see what happens in that position. You know, we we talk about the AFC South, talking about what quarterbacks are in the AFC South so far. Tannehill, you have Davis Mills and the Texans, which obviously it looks like the Texans having the number two overall draft pick. They'll probably get a quarterback, whether it be Bryce Young, whether it be C.J. Stroud. You could probably see the Colts getting a quarterback two at number four. Aaron Glenn, def- uh, Detroit defensive coach. Got it, got it. Got it. I, th- I think I did remember seeing his name pop up um, several places. But there are a lot of quarterbacks that are going to come into the AFC South. Tannehill's going to be probably repping the Titans once again. But young quarterbacks have very high ceilings, and that's something the Titans are going to consider because Titans, again, this might be one of the highest draft picks Titans have for a while, especially if they... They keep the core players. Jeffrey Simmons is not going anywhere. Jeffrey Simmons can get a, an, a contract extension this year because if the GM does not come in and sign Jeffrey Simmons, then that's just a, a John Robinson 2.0 move, kind of like moving on from A.J. Brown in the offseason. I think that's a, a poor decision if uh, if they decide to not sign Jeffrey Simmons to a, a long-term extension. But he does have a fifth-year option potential. So um, we might see that. We might see the franchise tag. But again, to not draw the ire of the Titans fan base, I think that the new general manager, that will be number one thing he does when he gets in the office is start discussions with Jeffrey Simmons and his people to see what they can do to get a contract extension signed by the beginning of next season. That That's going to be number one on his plate. And then looking at cap situation, looking at you know cuts and things of that nature, that's going to be involved as well. John gave me the list of people they are rumored to be looking at for the general manager position for the Titans. Adam Peters, San Francisco 49ers, Glenn Cook um, of the Cleveland Browns, Ian Cunningham of Chicago Bears, Malik Boyd of the Buffalo Bills, Quentin Harris of the Arizona Cardinals. Those are the top candidates rumored so far. Um, Peters, I believe either he's the, either the, the assistant general manager or it is the um, the director of player personnel, but if he whichever title he's not, they're also looking at that person as well. So um, several names to look at for the Titans GM job. I'm I'm glad to see that Amy Adams Strunk is looking outside the organization. I think that having an external voice come in will be beneficial for this team moving forward, and uh, for Mike Vrabel as well. I don't think Vrabel needs a yes man. I don't think that's the case. I think that Vrabel can have conversations with the general manager and general manager can provide some of his thoughts, some of his expertise in this scenario, and they can lean on each other. But I still think that having that. And also Amy Armstrong came out and talked about how this, this whole search will be about collaboration. She said collaboration like three times in her, in her press, in her uh, press release that she talked about when the general manager search, I think that that's going to be something they're going to be looking for. They're going to be looking for somebody who can provide Quality insight. Um, they're going to be looking at somebody who can provide um, expertise in that field and allow them to be the general manager and Mike Vrabel to be the head coach and both come together and come to a consensus that way. Not necessarily saying Mike Vrabel is going to be the general manager as well. Because she she repeated that after she fired John Robinson that both of those jobs are for are are, are their own jobs. General manager, one person. Head coach, another person. That's her philosophy. So we'll see how that goes in the offseason. Karen saying, did you see how they already have thoughts on drafting for the Patriots? No, I did not. Karen, uh, feel free to enlighten us there in the comments. I'd love to hear that. But let's go on to our second topic because I actually did have our, our, our topics graphic today, which I have not shown yet. Um, 
Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers played a game in Lambeau Field this weekend against the Detroit Lions during... I think it was either the second quarter or during halftime, there was a conversation or coming out of halftime, there was a conversation with Dan Campbell with a reporter. A reporter said, obviously you told your team Seattle just won. So unfortunately you're not making the playoffs, but what did you tell your team? Uh, what's the motivation for you and your team going out in this game tonight to, to beat the Packers? And he said, we don't want them to get there. We don't want them to get to the playoffs. And they came out, they stunned, Aaron and the Green Bay Packers organization and Aaron Rodgers potentially played his last game in Lambeau Field. Um, I'm sure Brian is still in the comments somewhere, so I'd love to get his thoughts because, um, yeah, Green Bay, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens with, with Aaron Rodgers. I know that um, there were several reporters asking about his, his time there in Green Bay. What's he going to miss most if he does leave or if he does retire? In the offseason, he kind of made some jokes at first saying, you know, I'm going to miss your questions and you, your stories about my personal life that, that you shouldn't be writing about and things like that. Just just little jokes. But at the very end, he said, I'm going to miss my players. I'm going to miss the coaching staff. I'm going to miss the front office. I'm going to miss a lot of things. And interesting enough, I think Tyler's ears were burning when I was talking about Aaron Rodgers. And Tyler is here with us. Tyler, welcome to the show. I don't, I can't hear you. Yeah, I can't hear you. I'll wait for you. Um, so we were just talking about Aaron Rodgers and potentially his last game in Green Bay. And he he, he told the reporters... Can you hear me now or no? I can hear you now, yes. A little okay. bit. It's kind of low. I'm going to try to switch this with us. Sure. Um, he made some jokes with the reporters, but he told the reporters he's going to miss the other players. He's going to miss the training staff. He's going to miss coaching everything um, and kind of just walked off and said, you know, Thanks. Just left. Um, so Tyler, now that your yes. audio is working. Yes. Is working it, now. Can you hear me? Okay. Uh, yes, I can hear you. Um, so now that your audio is working, what are your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers? Will he come back to Green Bay next year? Or was Sunday his last hurrah at Lambeau Field? I mean, I want it to be his last hurrah. I don't want, <laughs> okay. I mean, I don't want it to be because of how bad it was, but I genuinely think it should be his last hurrah. If he stays, Jordan Love is probably going to request a trade. We're not going to have the same offense. We're going to have a lot worse team altogether. I think if he stays one more year, it's, we're basically going to be in cap hell more than we already are. Um, I think it's time where it's like, hey, I think he already knows, like, hey, I think it's time. Didn't really do much this year. He was sort of a shell of his former self. Even before the thumb injury, he was a shell. So hmm. he's, I think he's more than likely gone. I think he's talking about it, looking it over, mulling it over he still has probably like three months yeah. like at least he if he thinks about it before the draft and he announces his decision it's not like the same thing where it was two years ago where he was like he literally waited until week one of the regular season to be like yeah i'm playing again as long as it's not something like that then i'm fine like, i i think that he's going to come up with a quick decision i think he kind of alluded to that in the press conference saying that oh no i'm gonna let the team know yeah, fairly I, quickly what my decision is on my future what i'm going to want to do or if i'm going to request a trade or whatever yeah um, i know he's talking with them today and tomorrow i believe yeah and i think so. that he had a conversation with matt lafleur too on monday as well so he, he's he's having conversations with them which that's something better than what he did two years ago it seemed like they kind of cut off communication at the end of the season so at least they're conversing with each other and they're they're kind of trying to figure this whole thing out and giving aaron his time and whatnot so 
We'll see how that happens. John is chiming in saying Rodgers will be back. Reason I say this is because they look better last seven games. Lions is most underrated team. Only way is Rodgers retires because of money is held captive by Rodgers. Um, I could see maybe Broncos or Raiders doing a, uh, two first round picks, but uh, I, mean, I don't necessarily see the Broncos doing that, especially with their, their situation with Russell Wil- Wilson because Russell Wilson stuck there. And Denver is stuck with Russell. <laughs> yeah. the, the, the cap situation for the Broncos is nowhere near what it needs to be for them to to um, to get Aaron Rodgers and also deal away Russell Wilson. That's not going to happen. No, no team is going to accept that. So I don't think that's going to happen. Um, and he said Rodgers acted the same way two years ago. He did. He acted the same way two years ago. But again, this, this season was a much different than what it was two years ago as well. He came off a, a winning season that year, or a season that at least they were above 500. And this year it was below 500, eight and nine, to be honest. Yeah, I feel like also two, exactly. two years ago that was, was that before we got love? That after? No, that was after. Oh, okay. Because you I guys got love in 2020. Remember. Yeah, so it was that off season then, right? Yeah. So it was that offseason. So it was also like the whole thing of like, oh, well, you want to replace me? Well, you guys don't know what you're going to do then. Like sort of something like that. It might have been also between 2020 and 2021 season, potentially. I'm not sure. Um, It it, it did happen after the Love Love acquisition, though. After they drafted Love, that was when it kind of started going downhill with the team. And he was saying, oh, you want to get rid of me now? Yeah. See how it is. Like, I'll show you. I'll show you, and then had two MVP seasons in a row. Yeah, so. which I still think it should have just been one. I don't think that second one should have really been him. I think it could have been somebody else. It could have been a lot of other people's, but I think it was sort of like, oh, you guys shouldn't be here, but here you are. So. Well, especially with the storyline around him with the whole COVID thing being immunized and such like that. I have a feeling the league did not want it to be him, but at the end of the day, it was kind of, who else? Yeah. Who else could it be? So, um, Wesley saying it was eerie in the sense that it might be over and cool at the same time to see Rogers and Cobb walking into the locker room together. Yeah, it was pretty interesting and talking about the, after the game post game, when they were hugging players on the field and such, there was a camera near Aaron Rodgers, One of the Detroit lions players came over and said, Hey, can I get your Jersey? And Aaron said, I, I'm going to hold on to this one. I'm going to, I'm going to keep this one. Thanks. And, Walked away. Um, and so that that kind of led to reporters asking those questions in the press conference and such. And, I mean, people on social media blowing it up, I'm sure. Brian was on social media talking about it as well because Brian's chiming in here too. Rodgers is a tricky situation. We love going into his fourth year, and Rodgers I just getting a new contract. Who knows? But we need to move on. Yep. Yeah. I feel like it's going to be the same thing where we just hold on to the past for too long. And it's... Is, is love the answer? I mean, in, it, what do you mean in the answer? Because I have two. Is like, it the answer to being your starting quarterback next year? Oh, yeah, easily. He could easily be a starting quarterback in this league. I feel like I don't think he's going to be a generational talent mm. like we've had with Favre and Rodgers. But he's definitely I think he's definitely shown the glimpses to be a, to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. I think he's definitely shown glimpses. I think if. You request a trade and say Rogers stays. I think if you request a trade, I definitely could see like a few teams biting on him that don't like that won't want don't want to go for a quarterback in the draft 
I think a few teams could just take a punt on him and just try him out. I think we, if Rodgers does decide to retire, I think we'd be fine. I think he's, I think he could be a very good transitional quarterback. I think it's going to be one of those where it's like he's not going to be generational, but he could be there for five, six, seven years and lead him to the playoffs. Probably take him a little bit far. Yeah, I mean, he showed some glimpses. He showed some glimpses. I I, I think that it's – would I say that he's going to be better than, like, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, you know? No. Um, no, he's not going to be that way. But would he be better than a Trey Lance? I feel I feel like he's on, like, that sort of – he's a better Daniel Jones, I think. I would feel like. Okay. He's in that sort of same predicament where it's like Daniel Jones is still, like, I feel like Daniel Jones and him sort of have like the same mannerisms. I don't know if it's just me just spewing, spewing, but it just seems like those two, I feel like those two will have a very similar career path, but I feel like Love will have a little bit of a better one because he sat behind Rodgers for three years now. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great idea. I think that's a great thing for Love was that he did sit behind Aaron Rodgers for three years. That's the thing with Green Bay. It seems like the past three quarterbacks they've had, this, the main starting quarterbacks they've had with Aaron Rod, well, two, I, I would say, Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, is that the, that transition, especially from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers was in the system for several years before he actually got the start and took over for Brett Favre. So that gave him time to learn underneath Favre and just perfect his game to where he was able to be a starter for the Packers and lead them to a Super Bowl at one point and be MVP three times. I mean, that kind of just that that trickled down to to him to be successful. And I think that's kind of gonna happen with love too. Yeah. And not even to mention too, we didn't even draft Favre. That was Atlanta Falcons that drafted him and then he's I think I don't even think he started a game. I think he might have been a bench player, but it's like he played there for two, three years and then he came here and he just sort of exploded. It's like which Rivers. I don't think a, yeah, it's I don't like think a lot of the no, uh, Drew Brees. I'm sorry, Drew Brees. Yeah, Drew Chargers, Brees. Was... Then going over to the Saints. Um, yeah, same situation like that. Crazy. Um, Karen also saying here talking about the Pats draft. I asked. She asked about um, if I had heard about the draft situation there. April 30th will begin the draft, and if they say at number 14, speaking of the Packers, it would be the highest draft pick since they could choose linebacker Gerard Mayo, which was number 10, and that was in 2008. I think we had a higher draft pick than 14. What you, the Packers? Did, yeah. Oh, for for this season. Yeah, for. Or she talked about the Pats. She's talking about the Pats. Oh, I thought you said you should talk about the Packers. I was like, oh, sorry. I think I think I might have said Packers because they're both p words. Um, but the Patriots, not Pats. So, <coughs> sorry. Um, with the Pats, it, this will be the highest traffic they've had in quite some time. Which I mean, that, that's something that you know. Successful teams will do. <laughs> they, they won't have high draft picks because, they uh continue to be playoff contenders year in, year out. And that's what the Patri- gonna, Patriots have been. I'm going to laugh if they trade down. I wouldn't be surprised knowing Bill Belichick. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, he's done it several times before in the past, especially since 2008, and he's done it several times. So I think that that would be the most likely scenario for them, depending on who's on the board at 14 too. Yeah. I mean, at that point, all the players that are number one at their position are probably off the board. So... I mean, who you're really looking at. I mean, are they looking at offensive line? Are they looking at wide receiver? I think because, if they're looking Yeah. If it, anything, it's gonna they're gonna be looking at offensive line. I feel like they're gonna be looking out of for Peter. 
I can't even don't even remember his last game out of Northwestern. I feel like that's probably gonna be mm-hmm. their number one on their draft board. Yeah. If he's there at fourteen, I think that could be the best one. Probably a defensive back because you know Bill Belichick loves his loves his DBs. So yeah, and we'll also have some draft analysts on here as well. Some guys that are w- more well versed than we are when it comes to college football um, during the off season. So look out for that. I'm sure we'll have at least one or two shows of draft analyst talk. So uh, be sure to stay tuned with us here at JDF Sports and Out of Bounds. And we will bring you the latest and greatest on all of that information. Um, yeah, just be glad you didn't see my episode, my newest podcast that's releasing Tuesday oh, or goodness. tomorrow. I talked about the Jets having the fourth the fourth pick, even though that they don't for yeah, about oh, fifteen minutes. Yeah, because they, the Colts. They, yeah, the Colts have it, and I for some reason I was thinking Jets because of last year. So I was talking about the Jets having it for about 10, 15 minutes, talking about how they could trade with the uh, Bears, not meaning Colts. And I'm just like, oops. Well, that's staying. <laughs> Oops, sorry. Um, Brian said, if he does come back, we need to let Love get some game time if they truly want him to take over. We still haven't seen much from him if we don't know what we have with him yet. So I, I agree. I think that having some game time would be good instead of just preseason snaps. I think having a scenario kind of close to what you saw in, with the Saints, and I know it's a little bit different, but with um, uh, tight end turn or the quarterback who's their their gadget player Taysom Hill. Saints Taysom Hill yes uh Taysom Hill former being, Green Bay Packer yeah yeah former Green Bay Packer he went to the Saints and he was kind of doing that with Drew Brees kind of going back and forth and also with Jameis Winston um and uh the, the other quarterback they had there too from the the Broncos um Drew no not Drew Lynch uh or Paxton Lynch who was it um Trevor oh Simeon. um Trevor Simeon yeah Trevor Simeon year. so He kind of went back and forth with those quarterbacks, kind of getting some snaps there. I could see Jordan Love doing that, kind of installing some plays in the playbook, especially with Matt LaFleur. I'm I'm actually very surprised with Matt LaFleur that he hasn't done that yet. That he hasn't added some sort of wrinkle. Because, I mean, really, before he came to Green Bay, he was kind of of known as this Kyle Shanahan, this... Um, you know, Sean McVay kind of offensive mind that could put together plays like that and kind of put some wrinkles in the playbook. Um, I'm surprised that hasn't been a wrinkle he's used unless he thinks that Jordan Love was just not it yet. I don't know. I think it's weird because I don't think he fits that sort of mold. I think it's very different than like having like, because John Harbaugh did the same thing with the Ravens with when he had Joe Burrow or Joe Flacco and Lamar they had Lamar in for like these option run pass plays whatever and same thing with there but it's like I think he's more so trying to preserve Jordan Love I think but even then you're sort of hurting I think he's sort I think Jordan Love is a little bit annoyed that he's not getting game time not getting plays because like you look at it especially against Kansas City last year we should have won that game our defense gave up a few more points than they should have um, this game this year against the Eagles when he came in for like the last quarter and a half, it looked like he was going to start turning it around. Like he's got the he's got that some sort that like sort of like mentality where it's like he could win those games, but it's like he hasn't gotten a full chance yet to be able to win. Yeah, so you're saying he's kind of like a Justin Fields slash Jalen Hurts. I could see him being more style. of like I think he's more of like a Joe Burrow ish style where he's not. You can he's willing to run, but he's not gonna it's not gonna be his first instinct. He's more of a pocket passer. Yeah, he's much more of a pocket passer. Like 
he's the new era pocket passer where they can move, they can run if needed, but it's, he's not just going to be running as his first instinct. Yeah, he's not a statue either. No. Okay, interesting. Um, John also said Adams made a huge impact and also had basically zero wide receivers this year, and the O-line had some big changes. I mean, uh, yeah, O-line, yes. Wide receiver, they just were young. It was a young wide receiver core that needed to kind of get acclimated with being the ones and twos, essentially, um, on the field. Uh, you know, that that was the biggest thing. Christian Watson blew up towards the end of the season. If he had blown up a bit earlier in the season, Packers probably would have not had to worry about this game against the Lions. It probably would have been an easier in situation to be in the playoffs if they had just not lost <laughs> several games they did in the in the um, early part of the season. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that that would it was just growing pains with the wide receivers. I think it was them just trying to figure out how to play with Aaron Rodgers. And um, we kind of learned that Aaron Rodgers is not necessarily like a Tom Brady type to where he can just turn a no-name wide receiver into an overnight success like they did in the Patriots organization. Tom Brady was doing that to where he was turning those wide receiver rooms around within a game or two you know, in the post, in the preseason, um, heading into the regular season, it, it was like, it just snapped and it worked. Um, with Rodgers, his game is a bit more, a bit more, um, I guess you could say exotic, not exotic, but like a bit more unpredictable. Yeah. So I mean, that's Rodgers. plays. I mean, that's just Rodgers. Yeah. And so those wide receivers had to learn how to play with a quarterback like that. Yeah. I mean, also, too, there was a few years where we did have, like, a lot of no-names. We did have, like, those key, like, one and two. Like, we had Tom Crabtree with a few years. We had James Jones, who couldn't do anything with any other team, except he come back. He came back to us, and he immediately just exploded as soon as he came back. Like, even Jordan Nelson, like, once he left us to go to the Raiders, it seemed like he wasn't the same person. Obviously, he was a little bit older in his career, but it's, like, even, like, his first year, he looked completely different. Like there's yeah. those few players where it's like he does have that sort of sensitivity, but I think it's also the whole fact of they were they weren't just immediately the ones and twos. They had Donald Driver, they had Jordy Love, they had Greg Nelson, they or uh, Greg Jennings. They had all these guys around him, so that way they could learn how to play with him. Mm-hmm. And then you're just like, okay, we don't have Devonte Adams, so here you go, Adam Alan Lazard. You're gonna have to teach these guys how to play. Whereas Alan Lazard hasn't really been with the team for like two years, I think is. This is his third year, so it's like and Alan Lazard. If you haven't seen it, the the post game interview with him, sounding very cocky about himself and making it sound like that he was the leader of the wide receiver room and that he was the best wide receiver there was, and saying that you know, well, I don't know where when I don't know where Aaron's going to be next season, but I know where I'm going to be at. Talking pretty much like he's going to not. I don't know. It, it was a very weird conversation with the reporters. If you haven't seen that video. Be sure to go on Twitter and check it out. That's, um, that's most that's most of our wide receivers, though. I feel like they've just been. It's just sort of weird this year. This weird has just been so. This year has just been so weird. Yeah, like so many different all aspects. over all over the NFL. It hasn't even just been the Packers. It's been all over the league. It's been very very strange. Um, John also said that DeAndre Hopkins getting DeAndre Hopkins this offseason is a thousand percent likely. Which I mean, if that's something that they are trying to lure. Aaron Rodgers to stay with the team to not retire then maybe getting a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. But again, I mean, what money? (laughs) What money and who do we give up? And yeah, that's the thing too. Like who do you give up in that scenario? What money are you going to use to get DeAndre Hopkins? Oh, it's uh, that's tough. 
Hopkins to the Pats, not to us. The thing is, though, Bill Belichick does not like to get like star wide receivers for some reason. No, he got Devontae Parker, which that's an okay wide receiver. But he's not really a star. Like, no, he's like a, a two. Yeah. If that. So, so I mean, I, I mean, I don't think that it's going to be. I don't think he's going to the Pats. I think he's looking for a diamond in the rough scenario. I think that's what Bill Belichick's going to be looking for in wide receiver. Um, Wesley chiming in saying he thinks the Colts will bring in Rodgers to underperform. Um, well, I think that underperforming for the Colts would be either A, drafting Will Levis in the draft. Because that obviously, I, that there's a lot of people out there that are goo-goo-ga-ga over Will Levis coming out of Kentucky thinking he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in this draft class. I don't see it. I mean, it's not many people who are saying this, but there are people out there, analysts out there, that are saying that he is probably one of the most pro-ready quarterbacks in college football. But I think it's going to be kind of like a scenario we, we saw with TCU in Georgia, where TCU just got mollywopped by Georgia in the national championship game last night. So I, I don't think Will Levis is going to be there. I think Will Levis, Will Levis is the TCU in this scenario, and Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, they're the Georgia in this I scenario. I think Will Levis is going to have that Zach Wilson effect, where he's going to have such a good pro day that he's just going to get jumped up the leaderboard. Uh, jump yep. up the draft mo- the He'll have draft. one pass that they'll just fall in love with and say, oh, look at the cannon on that kid. Yeah. And then I just get drafted very high, higher than yeah. he's supposed to. I just can't wait for the Colts to, to leapfrog the Texans and get Bryce Young. We'll see that. We'll see. I mean, we'll see if it happens. They're going to have to give up some, some draft capital if that's think, the case or players potentially too. But uh, I mean, with Wesley, Wesley's comment as well. Um, Derek Carr has been a name too, that obviously, Hey, you guys love quarterbacks that are potentially on the more washed up side than, than uh, actual peak performance side. So, you know, Matt Ryan was that quarterback. Phillip rivers was that quarterback. Carson Wentz was that quarterback. Derek Carr is right in line for where the Colts organization just loves to be there. Jim Irsay just loves quarterbacks that are like that. I don't know why. Yeah. I mean, that's just a Colts organization now, it seems like. Yeah. Um, Karen said, I think the Patriots, she thinks they need to work on attitudes and the lack of plays like they had this year. I completely agree. Um, John says, if Dallas loses in the first round against the Buccaneers. Does Jerry let McCarthy go and give first-round draft pick for Sean Payton? Nope. You don't think so? Jerry Jerry Jones was was backing McCarthy on a well, radio show. Well. It, I mean, yeah, but also I don't think... He, he's going to back his head coach going into the playoffs. I mean, yeah, but he's I don't... He's not going to say, like, Mike McCarthy is not it. So if he wants to be it, he needs to win the playoffs this year. I don't think that's that's not the conversation he's going to have on the radio. He's going he's gonna to be... Butterflies and rainbows for Mike McCarthy make him feel really good in the playoffs so that he can go out there, be loose, not have stupid in-game decisions like he did last year in the playoffs, and try to be successful, try to at least win a game in the playoffs. But I have a feeling Mike McCarthy's going to Mike McCarthy and have a scenario where there's going to be a time management situation that comes up. He's not going to use a timeout correctly, or he's going to challenge something that's obviously not what he thinks it is. Something's going to happen. Something's going to rear his head in this game, and Mike McCarthy, and not necessarily the Buccaneers game, but a game in the first or second round of the playoffs where the Cowboys are going to lose, 
and Mike McCarthy is going to be out, and they're going to have either Kellen Moore be the co- be be vaulted up from offensive coordinator to the coach. They're going to look at Dan Campbell potentially too because he's already being looked at for head coaching positions outside of the organization, which they were both looked at for head coaching positions last year too. And then they're also going to look at Sean Payton. Jerry Jones has had this infatuation with Sean Payton in the past before. Is it still there? Is it as strong as it once was? Potentially. Potentially. So, um, I don't think he's like a, a scenario like the Raiders where they're looking for a splash name at the head coaching position. Mike McCarthy wasn't necessarily a splash name. I mean, he was still a, a quarterback. He was still a head coach that took the Packers to the Super Bowl. But um, I don't see Jerry Jones being like, let's get a guy with a name to make it. Because, I mean, look who he had before that. I mean, yeah, obviously he's not looking for a name. I think um, if, he's looking for loyalty at that yeah. point. I think of anything, if McCarthy gets let go, they just up uh, Keelan Moore. That's all they do. He, he just goes up to the, to the head coach spot. I think it's going to be a coin toss between Moore and Campbell. Yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be a that. coin toss. I think because I mean, I think they might just give it to Campbell because he does have that head coach experience, whereas Moore doesn't. And Moore would probably bow down and say, "Yes, sir. Yes, sir." When they say, "Oh, you're not going to get it this time," but don't worry, stay You'll in the organization. It. Show You'll me loyalty, and we'll get you up there at some point. Um, and then he just gets leapfrogged again. John says Bill didn't get Moss. Yeah, he did. But I think that's a, I don't know. I, I was younger, so I don't really know the whole I mean, situation against that. Moss wasn't with the Patriots organization that long in the first place. I mean, and that was also, that was earlier in, again, that was when Tyler was probably a baby. Um, it was That seven. was a long time ago. It was ago. eight. That was a long time ago. But since then, though, he hasn't really had a track record of getting star wide receivers in the room because he's seen what Tom Brady can do with no-name players. And so he thinks that, oh, well, Tom Brady is similar to what Mac Jones has provided us over the past two years. So we can do the same thing with just random wide receivers and see what he can do, which I don't think that's going to be the case. But um, would I be surprised if he went out and got somebody? No, I wouldn't be surprised, but I don't know if it's going to be Hopkins because Hopkins is getting on the older side. And we know how Bill is when it gets to players getting older. He cuts ties pretty quickly um, when that happens. Let's see here... You can take care of that one. Um, let's look at Wesley saying Hopkins to the Colts sounds fantastic. Here's the thing, though, too. Going back to the whole Patriots thing, they did sign uh, Chris Johnson when he was very old, so I could see him going for it. But it's because he's it's because he's in a trade market now and not just getting re-signed. I think it's going to be one of those things where it's like it's going to be very difficult to see where he goes because it's yeah. just basically who's who's the top bidder. Yeah, um, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if the Colts were in that as well. I think they want a quarterback more because they already have Michael Pittman Jr. They already have um, uh, what's the other kid's name? The the rookie they had this year. Um, you could probably give me the name at Wesley. Um, they had another wide receiver that was a rookie this year. I mean, they they have pieces at wide receiver. I think they'd probably want a quarterback more than wide receiver. Yeah, I think they're going to get a quarterback, and it's either going to be... I'm going to laugh if they do trade for the one pick, and they get C.J. Stroud instead of Bryce Young. I think Bryce Young should be, no doubt, the first overall pick. And that's why Bryce, that's what most people are saying, is that he should be the consensus number one. But 
We've seen crazier things happen before. The Giants took Daniel Jones. So. Yeah. It wasn't number one overall, but it was top five. And the Jets took Zach Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. I, I still think, though, in that scenario, I, I still think Robert Sala did him dirty still. But that's just me. Um, John says Bill Belichick and Hopkins are close. Jerry Jones was also backing the last coach. Well, yeah, my, Jason Garrett was. Jason Garrett was a former player, too. So Yeah, true. I mean, he, he couldn't have been talking. He didn't really talk that poorly of Jason Garrett. He has come out and talked. Not poorly, but he's talked a little bit sterner about Mike McCarthy in public. Yeah. So Jason Garrett was not really the. Um, he did not get the brunt of blame when it came to coaching the Dallas Cowboys at that point because of how long he'd been in the organization. He was like a son to Jerry Jones. That was kind of the reason there. Um, he also says, wouldn't shock me if Bears dropped down and get multiple picks. I mean, getting draft capital is great. I mean, if you can find a team to do it. I mean, last year it seemed like there were several teams that weren't really wanting to get rid of multiple picks for moving up in the draft. So, I mean, it just depends on how many teams want to want to dance that way. You know? Yeah. Um, I could see wanted. the Bears dropping for like a one, a two, and like a next year three through five plus a player. Like I could see that. I would be surprised if the Colts are willing to give that up just because you need a quarterback and we don't want to have Bryce Young in our division. Yeah, true. Um, so last but not least, before we get out of here, Black Monday occurred. There were several firings. Um, what was your, what was the most shocking firing to you on Black Monday? Probably Lovey Smith. That was shocking to you. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's not shocking. I mean, I think I genuinely think all the coaches, all everybody that got fired was sort of calling for it. I think every fan base was calling for it. I think us. I think we're like the only team who's like, we still have Joe Barry, and I think a lot of people are looking for us to fire Joe Barry because it's Joe Barry, and on a soft zone we played against the Detroit Lions was frustrating. But I genuinely think, what was he supposed to do with that roster? Like, he did as much as he can. I obviously he did. I think he was told. Um, my my little theory that I have for it is that he was told before the Colts game that he was going to get fired. He went out and won to just say F you to the Texans. And Oh, absolutely. And, he he had some sort of inkling before that game that that oh, yeah. was the case. Some, yeah. Someone tipped him off. If it wasn't the front office, someone in the organization, someone with an ear in the office of the GM, I, I think that someone knew that that was the case. Yeah, and I also love the fact, too, that it's like the last two head coaches they had were like 68 and 63 or something like that. That's what the last two coaches age were. Now they're looking at coaches that are like 38 through like 45. It's like, now you're like, okay, you know exactly what you were doing. You knew they were going to get fired within the past two years. And it's like, well, especially, I I mean, I'm not saying this was the case, but especially having two African-American head coaches back to back, only having one year at the helm of the team. Yeah. After everything that's happened in that organization, especially last year with Deshaun Watson and him talking about, you know, what was going on in the organization when it came to minority candidates and things of that nature. It just, it's not, not good. (laughs) Not a good look for the Texans organization at all. And also now you're looking at their wide receiver, um, Brandon Cooks. Cooks. 
is talking about wanting a trade in the offseason. Oh, he's been wanting a trade for three years now. Oh, yeah, but I mean, well, he, he, made it, he made it clear again the, uh, yesterday, I believe, or yesterday or today, saying, I want to get traded. So the issues there are very, very rooted, uh, deeply yeah. rooted in that organization. And yeah. um, I think Larry Tunzel wants out, too. He said he wants to reset the tackle market this year, this offseason. So hmm. I wouldn't be surprised uh, if there's a... There's a team in the NFC North that I think could use a tackle that has money. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe so. Um, John says, I'm surprised the cards finally got rid of Kingsbury. I thought they would hang on to him for another 7-10 record. Yeah. Um, thought Lovey done pretty good for what he had on the team. I, what is pretty good, though? I, <laughs> he I mean, still I, only had three wins on this. Three, what, three... Three wins three and a tie. Three twelve and one. No, three thirteen and one. Yeah, I think so. Something like that. But it's like if you genuinely look at that team, I think they had, they were in some of those games. They were in against the Chiefs. They were in. They were in late against a lot of those teams. They just ended up losing within the last few seconds. So it's like, obviously you'd want to win more, but I think, obviously you'd want to lose because Bryce Young. But I think it's genuinely like one of those things where it's like, hey. Look at what I did with the team that shouldn't have been in this position. I was able to to be close. I was able to be competitive. I wasn't blown out by forty. Every day. I yeah. had a I had a good coaching plan. My assistant coaches, are, the OC and the DC, are looking are getting looked at for head coaching jobs. I believe, which is surprising after looking at mm-hmm. a team that's like that low. Yeah, like they're looking at those guys for head coaching positions. Which, is which like, I mean, if, if if you're saying that about the Texans, you should say the same thing about the Falcons. I mean, yeah. Falcons like, did even better this year record-wise, and they had zero money to work with because of the Matt Ryan trade. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if some... Like, obviously, I think the Falcons is a little bit of a different sort of situation because they they knew they were going to be bad, but it wasn't like, oh, we're the worst team in the league. They, they knew they were going to be, like, top... Worst, like, bottom five-ish. Like, if you look at the Texans roster, I think everybody had them... They were the they were the worst team in the league, and they were able to stay competitive. I think with the Falcons, though, with them being like, oh, you're a bottom five team, you're somewhere in that range. I think that's a little bit different than just, oh, we know you're the worst team. Can you just not lose by forty every? Yeah, true. I mean, they had very close games as well against good teams. So I mean, they they yeah. remained competitive in most of their games too. So I think that the same conversation can be had for both teams. But I, I, yes, I I think that Lovey Smith was dealt a hand that was unfair to him from the beginning. Oh, yeah, 100%. I think that the, 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 the consensus was that you're coming in to be a placeholder until we find somebody next year. Yeah. That, that, that's that's what it was. And I remember I loved the head coach, because I, I like Halavi Smith. I like when he coached for the Bears, obviously because I'm a Packer fan. But it's like he had those sort of things where it's like, I just, he's just a fun coach. Like, you like yeah. He looks fun. I like. I would love to. I would love to be playing under him. Well, I'm I mean, sure Chicago loves him even more so now. Yeah, than they did before. I mean, also when you, I think it's also funny too that it's like, of course it's Chicago that gets it too because he coached for Chicago, coached for the University of Illinois. Like, of course, what a better way to do it. Of course, um, John. Last question here. So, coach of the year, Dayball or Peter, uh, Doug Peterson, Peterson. Um, I'm assuming who goes further in the playoffs, although that award is actually voted on for the regular season. It's not necessarily a, a whole year thing. 
just regular season they're they're doing this on. So when it comes to regular season, I think that I mean the pieces they had in Jacksonville already, people knew that they were like getting to that point to where they were going to break through at some point. They knew they should have been better than what they were. Absolutely. And and having a Trevor Lawrence in the mix who is you know, vaulted as a generational talent at the quarterback position, um, being one of the best ones we've seen in however long it's been. Um, that that was something that was going against Doug Peterson for this conversation. Um, has he done a good job there? Yes. Can you say that he's... If it was anybody other than Urban Meyer last year that he was taking this team away from, would you say that it was as impressive? No. No, it was only impressive because of the dumpster fire that was there in Jacksonville last year because of Urban Meyer. That's why it's successful. That's why people are saying, oh, wow, he did a great job with this team. It's because, it, yeah, I mean, if you do better than a dumpster, then, yeah, you, you did better with this team. Um, getting to the playoffs the way they did, um, again, I think the referees helped him a bit in the game. If, if you, you, you didn't listen to the show before because obviously you were – coming on but if you listen to our podcast i'd talk about it a little bit um at the very beginning i'd love to get your thoughts next week on um that on scenario. The game? yes of the game but um we're, we're up on time um but when it comes to that i would probably go on the side of dable yeah just because i mean the only star star player quote-unquote you really have is saquon barkley and the whole rot and daniel jones is is nowhere near what trevor lawrence is supposed to be so i think that having those two guys there and, and Dable leading that team to the playoffs in his first year. I think that's much more impressive than Doug first year Peterson. Since 2016 too. Yeah. Since the infamous Miami picture, oh. the boat picture, which is pretty interesting. Um, when it comes to firings on my end, uh, who I thought, who I was shocked by the most other than Todd Downing, I was actually shocked by the Titans letting go of the guys they should have let go. When it comes to offensive line coach, Keith Carter, um, they let go of a, a offensive assistant um, in Eric Frazier. I think it might be Todd Frazier's son, I believe. Um, and then secondary coach, Anthony Midget, which offensive line and secondary were two of the weakest position groups that we had for the Titans this year. So it was, it was completely, uh, it was not unfounded that, that they were fired uh, on Monday, which I think that was refreshing as a Titans fan to see that Mike Rabel did see the issues that we saw on a week-to-week basis with this team and he just wants to be better and Amy Adams wants this team to be better and they just want to be consistent contender for the playoffs and potentially a Super Bowl um, leading into their new stadium in 2026 so any last thoughts before we head out this week Tyler I know that you kind of came in late and were kind of thrown into the fire but anything you wanted to say Speaking of fire, fire Joe Barry. Don't want him near the Packers anymore. Fire Joe Barry. Okay. I don't care. We I don't care that we had a we had a nice defense for the last half of the season. Why? Because you did you think she's not going to be consistent? No, he wasn't. And literally, if you look at the difference between the Vikings game and this and the Lions game, so so much difference. We played so much soft zone. It seemed like it just wasn't. It wasn't the same defense. It was literally two different defenses. Which, how do you have two different defenses back-to-back weeks against basically almost the same wide receiver core where they're both fast and they're just going to burn you deep? Like, yeah. why do you change it up? Yeah. 
Um, I do have to say, though, in that game, it was great to see the player introductions, especially Jamal Williams at the beginning of that game. I mean, Broke Barry Sanders' record. Yeah, broke Barry Sanders' record, which was great. He actually um, broke down emotionally during the post-game press conference, the post-game interview on the field after the game, saying that he did this for his grandfather. Um, But yeah, it's, it's... He's a very interesting character. He's like a, a modern-day Marshawn Lynch, but a more talkative oh. version of Marshawn Lynch, in he's, my mind. He's the, he's the anti-Marshawn Lynch, it seems like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just completely opposite personality-wise, but it's just he is so magnetic with his personality. And, like, with Marshawn Lynch, he was so magnetic because you, he was just a man of mystery at that point. But he still had some of the characteristics that Jamal Williams has, but Jamal Williams is just much more vocal in terms yeah, of yeah. of what he does and how he goes about his 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 job um but it's very cool to see jamal williams having the success he's had in detroit after leaving the packers organization mind you um but again it's it's really good to see that a young player like that is is having success in his second second stop in the nfl um john suggs says the Ma- matt patricia fire matt patricia and bring in bill o'brien um for the patriots I don't know if Bill's going to fire Matt Patricia, though. I think he might demote him. Because, again, you don't really see that very often. But with Matt Patricia and how close he is with Bill, I I could see that him just being like, listen, this offensive play-calling thing we got you doing, it's not working for you. So go back to the defensive side of the ball. (laughs) I think that's probably more likely to happen than him getting fired completely. But, I mean... Bill O'Brien's very familiar with the Patriots organization. He's with the Alabama Crimson Tide right now as a an OC. assistant, an OC. You know, he's uh, yeah, offensive coordinator. Yeah, I believe so. So, if not, he's an offensive assistant, which that's yeah, usually it's like yeah. the it's like the recovery program for disgraced head coaches in college football. They just cry and grovel to to uh, the man, the myth, the legend there in Alabama, and Nick Saban turns them around. And they become yep. coordinators in the NFL and potentially head coaches. So it's interesting. Um, John Suggs says Skittles. And with that, we're going to end the show. Thank you so much for watching this week, guys. If you haven't done so, feel free to subscribe to us on Twitter. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube first. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch. And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, on anywhere you get your podcasts. We are there, Out of Bounds, Dylan James. And also give us five stars and leave us a review. Greatly appreciated. Thanks so much for listening this week. We'll talk to you guys next time.